Two real quick bullets. One is hopefully you picked up a bulletin. Merry Christmas to you all from your staff, the people who work for you. So we want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a great season. And I wanted to do it early because some of you may not make it next week. You know, it's Christmas morning next Sunday morning. I'll probably get in here around 2, 2 p.m., something like that. If you want, No, I'm kidding. We'll be here. We're having church. But we understand life gets crazy. Second thing I wanted to mention is in the foyer, remember last week we printed these and had them in the bullet, and there's extras. This is your opportunity. Use these to invite people. The Christmas Eve service is going to be very low-key, traditional, inviting, no hard pressure, no anything like that, okay? And we have a little gift that we're going to share with everyone as they go out, and uh, we get to play with fire in here. I mean, it's awesome. So... I'm going to think about how to manage that from here. (laughs) So, and I always coach people, make sure we don't make mistakes with that, right? (laughs) So, okay, are you happy? Good. If you have a Bible, if you would turn to the Gospel of Luke, that's the passage we're in today. Uh, Luke chapter 1. Last week, I humorously asked you to turn to that famous Christmas passage, and it was in the Old Testament. This one is a Christmas passage. So Luke chapter 2, and um, if you need to use the Bible in the seat back, go ahead and help yourself. On In that case, you'll be on page 1018. This is the story where an angel is sent to tell Mary she is going to have a child miraculously. Everybody remember that? The angel shows up, and after she says, Eek! And who are you? He says, Hail, favored one, and, you know, tells her to calm down, and tells her this phenomenal prophecy, and you'll see it right here. Chapter 1 of Luke, starting in the 26th verse, I'm just going to have us read together. I'll read it, you follow along in your text. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. That's important. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. That's where you have to read between the lines. There was a very exciting moment. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And that is the word of the Lord. I'm stopping there. Back by popular demand over the last few weeks, the subject today is let earth receive her. And we want to see. Are you guys ready for That's My King? I hope we are. What am I holding on to? (laughs) 
king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-framed of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign and his yoke is easy, and his birth is lighter. I wish I could describe him, but yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. A few people said they kind of liked that. Isn't that awesome? I wish I could describe them to you. It's great. Well, our title is Let Earth Receive Her King, and uh, we see these pictures of nativities and little babies and lose sight of the fact that that's what this is about, a king bringing his kingdom into a rebellious world, a broken world, and a world that needs not only salvation but needs his government And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So 
Let earth receive her king. That's why we sang songs this morning. You may have noticed about king. Him being the king, king of kings and lord of lords, and that his kingdom will not end, and that all peoples will submit to him. All of that is revealed in scripture. We want to press into that just a little bit today if we could. So, let earth receive her king. Let's see, I went too fast. There's the text that we just, whoop. Somebody start me over here, if we could. That's totally, there we go. That's where I want to start. Let earth receive her king. If you are a note taker in your bulletin, there are uh, steps involved today. The first one is we're talking about a king and that this is a fulfillment of profound prophecy. As a matter of fact, way back, first of all, the angel speaking to uh, Mary that we just read together a moment ago says these words. Where I'm having a hard time. What's going on here? Can somebody just restart that and see if... It's not me. I'm not touching anything. There it is. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Why is that spoken? It's spoken because the king that is to come is one who is going to fulfill prophecy. In fact, prophetic words a thousand years before the time of Christ, a full thousand years, a millennium before Jesus comes on the scene, there's a story that happens. Anybody ever heard of King David? David was probably the, uh, the model, if you will. The, the theologians call it a type, meaning he models, he's a, a purposeful um, in, insertion into history that's supposed to be an illustration of something bigger that's going to come. That something bigger is the king of kings and the lord of lords. And David is a model of that because he's the one king that is referred to as having a heart after God, right? Made mistakes because he was a sinner. We always love to say, oh, I'm only human. That's not your problem. You all get that? Being human is not your problem. Being a sinner, that's your problem. Humans are fallen. Jesus was not. He's the only human that never sinned, okay? But David did. But nevertheless, he had a heart after God. And when he did sin, he stood rebuked by the Holy Spirit. And he would get right with God and make things as right as he possibly could. And he was a king who tried to rule with justice and equity and all of that. He was a model of the coming one, the Savior. So back in the day when he was king and God was bringing him peace around about against all his enemies, the Holy Spirit prompted him as he worshiped the Lord, isn't it right that I'm living in a big, big house, a beautiful palace? Isn't it right that I should want to make a beautiful house for God? And it was in his heart to build a temple for the living God. And God said, well, I've never lived in a temple before. Pagan gods do that. By the way, God was quite pleased with David's overture. But he said, I'm going to let your son do that, Solomon, who would be a king of peace without war. And that's a good model for us. And I'll let you do that. But you can store everything up in preparation for that. And so David did. But in that time, Nathan came and spoke that word of life to David. And here's what he said, a fulfillment of that promise. This is coming back when when Gabriel finally shows up. Your house, Nathan said to David, your house and your kingdom shall be... Endure before me forever. 
Your throne shall be established forever. There's something permanent about that. Now, we know we have no king ruling in Israel today, so there's something else coming. But he said it will last forever. It was prophesied a thousand years before the coming of Christ. And so his throne is established forever, and it's going to be fulfilled by the one who is coming. And, of course, we're sitting in the room. Most of us have put our trust in Christ. We already know the answer to the puzzle. So you're like saying, hurry up and get on with it because we're getting bored already. This is why in the Gospels you hear about the Magi coming from the east. What is their question? Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Exposed to the prophecies because of the children of Israel that had been kept in captivity in Babylon and then seeing the sign in the east, the, the star, somehow God in his sovereignty allowed pagan astrology and the gospel prophets to merge enough for them to say, we've got to find out who this cosmic figure is, this king of the world who's coming. They recognize he wasn't just king of the Jews or they wouldn't have bothered. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? So then finally to Mary, he's spoken of as the son of the most high whose kingdom will have no end. Some of this goes back also all the way to 556 B.C. when Daniel, who was ending up in Babylon, remember? He had this prophecy. He has this vision. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. Everybody in the New Testament era knows who the son of man is. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. Did you catch that? People from every tongue and nation might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will never be destroyed. Sounds like something we just sang this morning during our time of worship. There's a prophecy from the 500s before Christ. The fact is, it could be possible that an absolute ruler could be better than all the other political systems on the planet. But it would depend on what kind of a king he is, because you can have bad ones, right? So really, that's the central issue. What kind of a king? Well, the scripture did not leave us in the dark. Because back in the 700s B.C., a prophet named Isaiah, and we actually sang some of this this morning, said this, for a child will be born to us. For some reason, Handel's music starts coming into my mind when I read this. You know. A son will be given to us, and the government will be... No, I'll stop. I won't quit my day job. <laughs> the government will rest on his shoulders. What kind of a king? His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. For those of you who don't like Trinitarianism, I don't know what you do with a text like that because Eternal Father followed by Prince of Peace and we know who he is. But that's who it is. A son will be born to us. He's the Prince of Peace, the Eternal Father, Mighty God, and a Wonderful Counselor. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of who? David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, how? With justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isn't that a great prophecy? Yeah, that's what I say. Woo! But we would all agree it hasn't completely arrived yet. Duh. You know, it's interesting how many um, stories are written about good kings coming to set things in order. Uh, When I was young and I was in, I think, high school when we had to read The Idols of the King. Anybody ever had to read that, Tennyson? It's the story of King Arthur. Long, long stories, you know, the once and future king, you know, the one who pulls the sword out of the stone. He establishes a round table. His ideal is to have a world of justice ruling from Camelot, that there would be equity and kindness and mercy. And uh, it never rains till after sundown in Camelot. There's another one I won't get off on. There's this tension always between injustice and where is the one who will come and set things in order, right? Even in our world today, there's chaos in a household. Where are the police? When when will they come and set things in order? And usually it goes badly for them trying to help bring order into the situation. There's a bunch of stories like that. One, One that you're all familiar with. I think you'll recognize this guy. At this part in the story, I think he's still referred to as Strider. This is the Lord of the Rings for those of you who don't get out. I will even pay your way to the movies if you want. No, you don't need to. You can rent these. Strider comes on the scene. First, he's mysterious. Nobody knows as he's gaining popularity and growing a team around him. People are still wondering, are you really all that? Are you really the once uh, prophesied king that's going to come and bring order? Remember, they're living in a world where darkness is moving over the face of the planet. And something has to happen to push that darkness back. And there's all the drama involved. And finally, you're so relieved, especially after nine hours, (laughs) that he gets crowned king, right? and establishes his reign, and he marries the girl and everything. It's all cool, you know. Great movies. They really are. Great stories if you've ever read it. I have a son that read the whole thing 15 times, is it, or is he past that now? He got reading from his mother. She reads a lot. Reading is work for me. Anyway, let me get back on task. There's this story, this tension of evil until the righteous king takes over. You know, Jesus told stories like that. Did you know that? Let me prove it to you. Anybody ever heard of Jesus' parables? Those are stories. Y'all with me? Those are stories. I couldn't believe it. I had a guy leave my church one time because I used video clips. His reason being, Jesus wouldn't use video clips. I'm going to be nice about it. That guy needs a lot of prayer. If he had a VCR back then, he would have run it. And the proof of it is all the parables that he told. And he would use visual aids all around him, all the time. And here's one of his stories. The parable of the seeds, remember? A sower goes out to sow. Some some of the seed lands on hard soil. 
Some of it springs up, gets raked off or burned up, and some bears fruit. And the one who sows the good seed, because the disciples were constantly saying, uh, we don't get it. Just like us, right? Uh, I, I don't get that, really. The one... I'm not talking about you, but okay. The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? Who is he? Jesus. All right, we just want to be clear. And the field is the world. As for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. And the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is who? The devil. And the harvest is at the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. He tells a parable, but he's saying this is an illustration. It's a story. It's my version of the Lord of the Rings, talking about the evil that's been spread in the world, and it's advancing all over the world. It's taken over, in fact. Look what it says. The sons of the evil one, the one who sowed them was the devil. The tares are the sons. There's the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the evil one. There's two conflicting kingdoms. But one day there's going to be a harvest, And the angels are involved in that great end-of-days drama. Isaiah, the prophet, in the verses that we read, we just read a few minutes ago, says what kind of a king we really serve. That he's a good king. That he's just. That he's going to come and make things right and bring justice and order out of the chaos One of my favorite, our family's actually, favorite stories is this book called Tales of the Kingdom. I've mentioned it before. Uh, Had a few takers of interest, but Tales of the Kingdom. I'm just going to read something from the beginning. This was done by uh, Karen and David Maines years ago. Really hard to come by, expensive if you try to buy them online because they're rare. I think they're done printing them. Just a wonderful allegory, story about the king. So let me just read it right from the beginning if I could. I'm going to read the whole thing. It'll only take an hour. You'll be fine. (laughs) No, just a couple of highlights. And you can hear it. It's just like Jesus telling his parable. Once upon a time, this is called the Enchanted City, chapter 1. That's where we live, by the way, friends. In case you don't connect the dots, let me help you. We live in Enchanted City. Once upon a time, not long ago and not far away, there was a boy, no longer a child and not yet a man who lived in the enchanted city. The boy, Scar Boy, and his younger brother, Little Child, were not like the other children in the city. Yesterday, their mother had died, and they had immediately been taken into custody by the enchanter's men. Rumors said that the enchanter kept orphans to stoke the huge fires that burned deep in the hold of Dagoda, the temple where the enchanter lived and ruled. A burner, one of the secret police who carried out the enchanter's bidding, had brought the boys to the burning place, a vast square of ashes. There they would watch the funeral ceremonies for their mother, whose body rested on an ornate bier in the middle of the field. The thought of his mother choked the older boy. She had been so beautiful, as beautiful as the daughter of a king. There is a king, his mother had always insisted. A real king. She believed the ancient tales, even though signs were posted all over Enchanted City. There is no such thing as a king. Death to pretenders. Tell me that's not where we live. 
Isn't that great? There is no such thing as a king, death to pretenders. But his mother had become ill, as so many did in the foul air of Enchanted City. In the last days before she died, she slipped in and out of the fever, often telling Scarboy the ancient tales from her childhood. Once a great king ruled our city, she had said. All the people thought him beautiful and served him willingly. But the enchanter came and deceived the people and put a spell on the city. The king was exiled. Those who would find him must hunt for him in the place where the trees grow. He's exiled. So the story goes on. He's going to be taken into custody unless there's some strange opportunity for him to escape and there's a power failure and that's his chance. He grabs little child and he makes a run for it. And he had been told that probably the taxi drivers in town knew how to find the place where the trees grow. And so he does. He looks for one. Scarboy remembered his mother's final words. Take little child and escape. Escape before branding time, before little child turns five. Escape before the enchanter comes. But it was too late. The enchanter held the boy's chin with a vice-like grip. The man bent close, and the boy shuddered at the waves of heat. Your mother foolishly believed in kings, the enchanter whispered. How did he know that, Scarboy wondered. He noticed that the burners' pokers flashed a sudden hot red at the words. The enchanter's lips smiled kindly, but his eyes were all malice. And what does her son, her orphan son, believe? The boy pulled his chin out of the man's clutch. He covered his cheek again with his hand. He cast his eyes to the ground. I have never seen a king, sire, only an enchanter. The cruel eyes opened even more, narrowed even more. Seeing is believing. See that you keep it so, orphan. Keep it so. Then the power failure happens, and he makes his escape. He finds a taxi, and he gets in it. Can you get us to the end of the city where the forest is, he asked. The cab driver, as he pulled up to the curb, the driver looked the two boys over with shrewd eyes. Sure, sure, he said, but hurry. Curfew's coming. Pay in advance. Refund only in case of power failure. Scarboy took a deep breath. The boys climbed in. The taxi driver set his meter and connected the power. Screeching through the little traveled streets, he made his way quickly to a huge garbage dump on the end of the city. Scarboy had never been there. End of the line, a man said urgently. Passengers out. Scarboy felt hesitant. Is this near where the trees grow? The driver leaned over the seat and opened the back door. The line only goes this far. This here's the dump. Then he winked. He winked an eye and said, if you look hard enough, you'll find where the trees grow. The boys climbed out. As the cab sped away, Scarboy thought he heard the man shout, To the king! The underground. Don't you want to read that? (laughs) I charge. There is a king. Death to pretenders is the lie of the enemy. But there is a king, and he's a good king. He will reign in justice with peace and verity. On our back door, as we go out the back door, you know how you have signs for Christians, you know, you're entering the mission field, things like that. We have one that our daughter made for us based on this book. 
because later on in the story, the rangers who work for the king, it's a great story, by the way, often will shout to one another, how goes the world? Someone's been out in the world in the enchanted city. They come back after a mission. How goes the world? The response is always this. The world goes not well. But the kingdom comes. And that's our sign. The world goes not well, but the kingdom comes. God brings about order, peace, and justice out of chaos and injustice and cruelty. There is a kingdom, and it's at work. There's a place where the Son of God can reign and rule and bear influence. So I want to talk about that, if I could, for a few moments. I've already looked at the king. We've looked at the kingdom parable. Now I want to talk about the senses in which the kingdom is at work. And there's four ways that he works. I want to just read something to you, if I could. It's, it's a hymn. It's one of my favorites. Don't sing it very often. It's kind of a dragger. It is. I mean... I don't know how you'd put this one to drums. But anyway, you know it. Jesus shall reign. Where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run, his kingdom spread from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. To him shall endless prayer be made and endless praises crown his head. His name like sweet perfume shall rise with every morning sacrifice. People and realms of every tongue. You hear that? People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song. And infant voices shall proclaim their early blessings on his name. It's a great hymn. Because wherever the kingdom moves, wherever Jesus is welcomed in, there's a king and a kingdom, and he is to be worshipped, and he's the one who brings order into whatever part of that world system he has entered in. So let's talk about it just very quickly. Let earth receive her king. Well, can I just say this? At least we should receive our king. Well, I already have. I'm not talking about that, praying a prayer. I mean beyond that. First place that the kingdom is at work is in our inner world, in our personal inner world. In our hearts. There's a little booklet we're going to give out. um, The Case for Christmas. Lee Strobel. We used his testimony one day. He's a great apologetic. He was an investigative reporter. A real hard nose. Got to see the data. And as he sought out all the data about the gospel, he got converted. Really great story. And anything by him is worth looking at. We're putting a little booklet in our little gift bag for our visitors on... Uh, Christmas Eve, and it's got that booklet in it, The Case for Christmas. And what I thought about from that story, that book, is that the very opening of the book, he tells his encounter, this is before he had become a Christian, his encounter with a family that were in terrible, terrible straits financially, had nothing, you know, living so, uh, so tightly that the two little girls, when they would walk to school in the winter, they had one sweater to share between the two of them. One of the girls would wear it halfway to school and take it off and give it to her sister to try to warm her up by the time she got to class. Can you imagine? Really critical. 
And yet when he came and visited, investigating, because he was doing a report on poverty in the city, he was overwhelmed by the fact that this mother was full of joy. Couldn't quite figure it out. Later, his article had provoked a rally and people showered them with gifts and benefits. He came back to follow up. When he went into, his, into their home, here were tons of materials that they were actually sharing with their other needy neighbors. Now his interest is really piqued. And finally, he's talking to them about and talking to this delightful woman about, you know, what, what's going on here? How come you're doing this? Well, we're sharing with others as well. But, you know, these are all wonderful gifts, but they're nothing compared to the gift of Jesus Christ. And it kind of lodged a barb in his soul. And he thought, hmm. And later on, as the Holy Spirit was working him over, that story came screaming back at him. It's a great little account. Because in our inner world, our brokenness can get healed. We can be freed of confusion. We can be freed of our guilt. We can be freed of our hatred, our selfishness, and all the things we think, well, that's just the way I am. No, that's not the way you should be. God's in the business of transforming our inner world the way he transformed that dear lady and spoke loudly of the kingship of Jesus and what a difference it makes. I think about it with um, our outer world. Uh, That is, what's immediately around me? I I love the expression. It says, the government will be upon his shoulders. So let's talk about government for just a minute. My, My spirit needs government. Your spirit needs government. Our children need it. Know what I mean? We were raising our kids. We're, we're big. Our, our two rules in our home. My wife, her rule was the law of kindness. You know when it says about the Proverbs wife, one of the things she modeled in our home was the law of kindness was in her tongue. And when our kids were being unkind, have you ever noticed that siblings sometimes can be, how shall we say it? <laughs> Ruthless. Is that what you <laughs> Whatever the word is. Less than kind. That was the one time my kids would see mom, like a bear, come out. One time my son was upstairs and the kids said, come on, you coming down? No, mom's mad. I ain't going down there. (laughs) Didn't matter if dad was mad. Mom's mad. This is serious. Because it was a violation of the law of kindness. You're not going to talk to each other like that. Not in this family. To this day, our family enjoys being together thoroughly. Largely, she gets the credit. My side of the rule was the law. You know, Moses comes down from the mountain, dads. You know, the law. So, learning how to respond to order. How many times we've been at restaurants? We have our kids sitting around. There's a family next door, and the kids are absolutely terrorizing the wait staff and everybody else. It's completely out of control. And one time my son, Timmy, he was probably seven or eight, looked over. He looked at me. He looked over again. Looked at me. That little boy needs government, Dad. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, he does, Tim. Very good. 
here's a cookie. That's right. And my kids have thanked me for bringing government because we desperately need it. We desperately need it. I feel sad for people, especially who profess faith in Christ, who are still giving God this because their experience with authority figures has been kind of negative and they're still in rebellion. When is God going to have permission to heal you? You need to get well. This is not the way God ordained for you to be a rescued child of the kingdom, one of his agents. I didn't get to tell you, I don't have enough time to tell you the whole story about Scarboy, but as soon as he makes it into Great Park, because that's the name of the place outside the enchanted city, Great Park, when he gets into Great Park, the person who meets him is a picture of the Holy Spirit who immediately calls him, Hello, hero. And he's dumbfounded. Me? You can kind of guess. He begins his journey of transformation. He becomes hero. That's what God's doing. Sending a whole bunch of broken but healed up people back into the world. Say, there's the king! To the king! To the king! Here we can say it out loud. Out there you've got to be a little wiser. But we can say it. There is a king. This is why we do communion. It's where I got the idea. There is a king, right? To the king and to his kingdom because that's the cry of the rangers in Great Park. Ah, now you know. I hear these groans or sighs. I don't know which one. There's an inner work. There's an outer immediate work. There's an, ex, uh, an extended work beyond just us. Let me just put it this way. Wherever his government and his order enters into new territory, there the kingdom comes. He's still on the, uh, on the, uh, the hidden side, right? There's no such thing as a king. That's what the world and the devil and his angels is screaming to people all the time. There's no such thing as a king. Death to pretenders. But there is a king. And wherever his kingdom invades, his order and his justice and his mercy begins to prevail. I showed that video about IJM for that very reason. There's a place where some of his kingdom purpose is reaching out when people get freed. It's a side benefit of the gospel. And isn't it fascinating? I I was thinking about this as I was watching Gary, the, the director, thanking us for very little that we did. Very little. I was thinking about it. All through the history of the world, the the things that have brought the best reforms to cultures were usually motivated by Christians. You can check it out yourself. Don't take my word for it. It's true. Slavery. You know the Tappan Zee Bridge? Anybody ever heard of it? Of course you did. Named after a man who was a committed Christian who lived down toward the city who was against slavery. And wonderful, I'm sure the people thought themselves good Christians, burned his house to the ground. That was part of his punishment for trying to bring the kingdom to bear in our sick, twisted world. You see what I'm saying? IGM, that was just a sample of God's reign spreading out in places that it hasn't been allowed to rule as yet. Justice and mercy. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. The prince of peace 
the everlasting Father. There's one more way. The kingdom actually is at hand wherever he is allowed to reign, whether it's in my personal spirit and in my life, whether it's in my home and my family, whether it's in my neighborhood or someplace else that I can put my hands where I have influence, wherever I'm under his kingship, his influence can be extended. But we're grateful that one day, This struggle and running around in cabs and yelling, there is a king, secretly, if you will, will come to an end because Jesus will, in fact, return and set things in order in the absolute sense, the absolute sense, the world without end, amen and amen. Look at the fulfillment of the Daniel passage that we read about in the book of Revelation. One of the verses is this. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Those who are with him are who? The called and chosen and faithful. They're the ones riding around in the cabs or driving them. Rangers, heroes, whoever it might happen to be, the ones that God is in the business of rescuing, they are called to him. They're chosen and they are faithful. But there is going to be a war, and there's going to have to be, because maybe you've noticed the world is corrupt, and it's broken. And the enemy, the enchanter, does not like to give up space easily. There is no such thing as a king, death to pretenders, and people follow his lead. And if you read the end story, the book of Revelation, even though there's an awful lot, people think, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm glad you fill me in, because some of that's mysterious. But I am going to say this, it is clear that the world will literally, in mass, be doing this to God. He's going to bring order. Absolutely, he will bring order and peace in the midst of chaos. He will end sin and establish a kingdom where nothing unclean is allowed. I think we should let him start doing that now in us, right? There's a novel idea. But he goes on. The seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. I'm hearing Handel again. How about you? (laughs) The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. You want to sing it, don't you? (laughs) And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. (laughs) We have to work on that a little bit. But brothers and sisters, it's not just Handel's Messiah. It is the truth. He shall reign forever. And look at the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. All the glory of the nations shall be brought into the heavenly cities. All the filth will be taken out, shaken out, but all the glory will be brought in. And God will be glorified by the brilliance of his creativity and the diversity of all that he has made and brought into his family. It's going to be absolutely spectacular. I, you know, I have a hard time getting... In fact, I haven't been bored in so long. I would like to be. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm saying? Getting bored? Who, 
I don't, ha I don't have time to get bored. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in heaven. Now, you remember my uh, Gary Larson cartoon with the guy sitting with his wings on a cloud. With a, he's saying, I wish I'd brought a magazine. <laughs> because people think that's what heaven's going to be like. Oh, my goodness, no. You're missing it. It will be endless discovery, endless learning, endless serving of God, and fullness of joy because of it. I don't think, you know, we have this idea of the ultimate retirement where you sit up and watch TV for the rest of eternity. That's not what it is. We're being trained here to be part of that kingdom he's reigning in forever and ever that will encompass the universe. I don't know how to put that on paper. I don't, but it's going to happen going to happen the kingdom is at hand so i don't know where you're at today whether uh, you've ever come under his lordship and chosen to invite him in as savior in a minute i'm going to close our service i'm going to have everybody in just a minute stand and we'll have a benediction together i don't know if you've ever made that decision let me encourage you i always wait up here at the front that's not traditional some people were very upset at the beginning when i got here because i wouldn't stand at the back door i'm not being snotty i stay up here because if a person wants spiritual ministry i want to be available i don't want to be lost in the crowd okay so that's why i'm here if you need to make a commitment to jesus as your savior and lord i would love to pray with you and help you Get that direction. It's not a secret. It's easy to come to him. Not always easy to live for him, but it is easy to come to him. But I'm also concerned because, you know, a new year's coming. And in this new year, I'm going to actually do a state of the church address. And I decided I have so many things to say, it's going to take me two weeks. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I do observe. I observe lots of people who really do, I think, know Jesus but they're ignoring his kingdom. Is he really the boss? You think you have forever to figure it out. Time will be over so quickly. I mean, I'm old now. I'm looking at how quickly my life has been. When I talk about Timmy saying that boy needs government, that was like two seconds ago that that happened. Now he's 28. Boy, Is there an area where you're telling him, keep your stinking kingdom out of my life because I want to rule? doesn't work for us. makes for crabby Christians. I'm inviting you to get it right. It's up to you. Let's stand together. This is a great time of the year, Lord. As uh, we've acknowledged, even, even this morning as we were praying in worship prep, Lord, that uh, even the weather, which we don't necessarily love, it brings in that season where we acknowledge, King Jesus, you did war on our behalf. You came into the world to save sinners, which meant you started a fight. You picked a fight with the devil. You picked a fight with him to rescue those you love. You don't force us, you invite us. We want to come under your kingdom, authority. Lord, I'm praying in the great name of Jesus that you would guide us. Teach us to be your subjects. 
we acknowledge there is a king. He's not a pretender. The world doesn't go well, but the kingdom comes. And we who belong to you, who really love the appearing of our Lord Jesus, you say Paul, the, the apostle Paul spoke through the Holy Spirit to say, may we be blessed who love the appearing of our Lord Jesus. We're ready for that kingdom. We want to be glorifying you and whispering every chance we get or screaming every chance we get, there is a king. So now, Lord, put favor on your people. Keep us safe. Let this season not just be about junk and stuff and spending. Let the fact that there is a king ooze out of us here and there in your sovereignty for your glory. And now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. And all of God's people said amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. I'm up front if you want to talk.